you guys are going back. Did you guys have a good day? Yeah. I sure hope you did. It, it was like the first full day. The, the, only the first day. I know. We still got a lot of, there's still so much time. There's so much more to do. So that's awesome. Hey, you guys, we're going to end up in Mark chapter 8. So if you want to turn there, I'm going to read a passage. It should be up on the screen here in just a minute, but uh, that's not Mark 8, but we can just follow along with that one. But Mark 8 is where I want you to go. Um, the guys, uh, we left off this morning with some pretty bad news, right? I thought it was pretty, well, you know, maybe at the very end, maybe I said there was at least some kind of hope, but it wasn't us. But guys, I I just want to ask you this. Um, Look, I have have noticed that when God wants to maybe really hit somebody with something, the enemy, uh, Satan, and sin, sin is actually the biggest enemy. And even though sin isn't a person or anything, it's described as a master. It's described as something that's like, like a person. And sin and Satan does not want to lose you. And um, will do whatever it can to distract you. So I'm just going to ask that if you're sitting next to somebody you know is going to distract you, it's okay to just move a little bit. So, you know, I just need to move someplace else because I need to hear this message tonight. Because if there's anything you're going to hear, you guys, this week, if you're going, hey, you know what, I'm checking out and everything, I'm just going to take a nap, whatever. I'm just going to just kind of doodle around, whatever it is. I'm just going to ask you, I'm just asking you, would you just listen to this one? Because this one that we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to talk about tonight, is the most, it's going to be about the most important thing in your life. And you might even be thinking, PJ, you don't even know what the most important thing is in my life. And actually, because if I went around, hey, what's the most important thing to you? What's the most important thing? You would all have different answers, right? Probably have all different answers. But I'm talking about let's really get to the most important thing in your life. Because I am convinced of this. Think about the most important thing, person, whatever it is in your life. Okay, you got it? The most important thing in your life is your life. In other words, if you did not exist, how important would that other thing be that you're thinking about right now? It wouldn't be important at all. You don't exist. The most important thing in your life is your existence. Is your life. That's what we want to talk about tonight. Guys, um... We left off this morning about the problem of sin, right? And the power of sin. And this is the truth about sin. I hope it sinks in. Some of us maybe are even still struggling with some of this truth. But this is the truth. We've all sinned, right? Remember those four things? We've all sinned. What's the second thing? Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. That one was a tough one for me. But either I'm right or Jesus is right. And it's the truth. And then it even gets worse because sin is our master has only one goal, and that's to do what? To kill us. The, the, uh, sin will bring death. It just will. And the fourth thing is even worse, which is what? There is not anything we can do about it. Sin's way too powerful. I'm way too weak. And if you think you have more power than sin, it's because sin is still fooling you into making you think you have more power than sin. That's just the truth. And sin's really good at what it does. 
So that's that's the truth. And we kind of left off. There's nothing that we can do about it. Sin is the second most powerful thing in the universe. And I'm so glad I just said that sin is the second most powerful thing in the universe. Aren't you? Because it's not. Now, the more powerful thing is not sitting here, not standing up on stage. None of us are more powerful than sin. But there is one. You remember where we, where we left off? It is who? God. And God decided, and this is crazy, you guys. This is his love. He decided to do something about your sin and my sin. Not because he had to. Not because we deserve it. But because he simply loves you so much he doesn't want to give up on you to become his child and to have a relationship with him so he has done something so what has he done we left off with the bad news this is what the bible calls good news sometimes maybe you heard the word gospel the word gospel is just a fancy word that means good news so we know the bad news. Sin's a big problem. Here's the good news. I'm just going to read it. Just follow along up here. It's Romans 3, verses 23 through 26. Just listen to this, and then we're going to go to Romans 8. But it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We already went over that this morning, right? Everybody has sinned. Everybody's fallen short of how God wants us to live. And it says, And all are justified freely. Justified means to be made right, to actually be changed from a sinner into a saint, from a slave and sin to a child of God. You got, there is a way that you can actually have a new identity. There is a way you can become a whole new kind of person. It's a miracle. It's impossible. But it's so good that God does impossible things. But the way that we are justified or made right freely by his grace, that's grace is I'm going to give something to you and you don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. I'm just giving it to you. And it says it's through what? How does he do it? Through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. When you when you hear about Jesus dying on the cross, why did he die on the cross? What was accomplished when he died on the cross? Well, two things. This is what was ha happened. This is what God did. He says, you know what? I'm going to do something about your sin. And how I'm going to do it is I'm going to send my son Jesus. God himself in the flesh came to earth, became one of us to represent us. And to go, I'm going to take your place. I'm going to do something in order to set you free from sin. And what he did was, if you catch it in verse 24, it says, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Redemption is this. when you It's buying something back. That's what rede redemption means. You ever redeemed, like, if you have a coupon, sometimes we use this phrase, you redeem a coupon. You have a coupon and you exchange it to get something else for it. That's what redemption is. It's paying a price to buy somebody back. Here's the deal, you guys. When we sinned, we became slaves of sin, right? We are slaves for life. But in the, in, in, in the New Testament times, people were actually became slaves. And somebody actually could buy somebody's freedom if they wanted to. And depending on the price of the owner... 
that would that would set the price, and somebody could say, "I want buy, I want to buy my my freedom," or somebody else could say, "I'm going to buy this person's freedom." Now we don't have any money. We don't have anything. We're helpless. We're hopeless. There's no way we can come up with a price because this is the price that sin has on us, our death. So if you say, "I'll pay it," well, then what's the use of paying it? Because you're you're he, he sin just wants you to die. Jesus came and came to our master sin and said, I want to set PJ free. I want to set you free. This person, this girl, this guy free. What's it going to take? And sin as our master, as your master says this, well, I demand this person's death. So the only way you can pay it is to pay that same price. And this is what's crazy, you guys. I would think that Jesus would go, oh, wow, that's too much. And Jesus looked at you, looked at you, and said, he, she, is worth it to me. I will give up my life. I will give you death, sin, in order to set this person free. And Jesus went to the cross and paid a debt, paid a price that's able to set us free. That's one thing that Jesus did on the cross. Look at the other thing. It says in verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Maybe your Bibles might say propitiation. It's something like atonement is this. It's another kind of price, but it's a price to satisfy somebody's punishment. Remember, because God is a holy God and we've sinned, what do we deserve? God's wrath, God's punishment. And Jesus, God himself said, I will take the punishment that you deserve and I'm going to put it on me. I'm going to put it on my son, Jesus Christ. And all of God's wrath, all of God's punishment that we deserved went on Jesus. He was what the Bible calls a substitute for us. You guys know what a substitute is, right? Anybody in sports? And if you sub in for somebody else, what are you doing? You're going into the game and playing their position for them, right? Jesus said, I'm going to go into the game and I'm going to play your position for you. You deserve to be on the cross. I deserve death on the cross. I deserve death for eternity. I de deserve God's punishment and wrath. And Jesus said, I will do that in place of you. Who does that? Somebody who loves you more than you can ever imagine. And you think, well, I don't deserve God's love. That's not the point. That's, well, maybe that is the point that God hands his love to you, even when we don't deserve it. And none of us deserve it. So Jesus pays the price to set us free from sin. Jesus is our substitute to take on God's wrath for us. And it says this, to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. In other words, he says, it's saying this, Jesus came and before Jesus came, there's a bunch of people who sinned before Jesus and God just patiently waited. And then when Jesus came, 
He died for everyone's sins. He was a substitute for everyone. He was the redemption, the ransom for everyone before him and after him. Everybody. Everybody's sin, including yours. All of them. And that way, God is now just because, see, only a just God, a just God has to give punishment, has to. He can't just say, well, you know what? I know you get, you need punishment, but you know, I'll just forget about it. That's not a just God. That's not a just judge. A just judge gives out punishment that someone deserves. But now because Jesus took our place, God did give out the judgment. He gave out his wrath and it was all put on Jesus. So now he is just because somebody has taken the punishment for our sin. And he's also the justifier. He can make us right because Jesus is the one who died in our place. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. It's the only way that we could actually have life and sin could be paid for. And it says, so he can be just and the justifier. Do you guys get the last the last phrase, for those who have, what? Faith in Jesus. For those who have faith in Jesus. Now turn to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Guys, um... We talked about, hey, hey, having faith in Jesus, not just believing stuff about Jesus, but believing in Jesus. So God has done all the work. There is one thing that we do, only one, and that is to believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. To trust him. That's the only thing. Because you know what? This is amazing. This is crazy, you guys. But because God wants to give us a choice, he's not going to force you to be saved. He's going to say you can still choose. You can choose, still choose to be a slave to sin. I paid the price to set you free, but you know what can happen? Somebody could come, if I have a master, and somebody can say, I'm going to pay the price to set PJ free, and, and, the, and the price is paid. You know what I could actually do? I can say, no thanks, I'll just stay with this master. I can do that if I want. Some of us are doing that. No thanks. I will stay with this master. Jesus says, I'm going to substitute for you. I'm going to take your, your place, and I'm going to take on all of God's wrath in your place. Will you accept that? Will you put your faith in me? Will you accept this gift for you? And some of us are going, no, I will go ahead and handle my sin on my own. Good luck. Because even one sin deserves eternal punishment in hell. Deserves all of the wrath of God. And some of us, maybe we don't even realize we're doing this, but we're actually saying, I'll go ahead and pay for my sin on my own. Because I don't want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Why? Because I think some of us actually know that believing in Jesus is a whole lot more than just praying a prayer and believing everything about him, don't we? We know it's a game changer. We know it's a life changer. We know it's actually giving Jesus your life. Because to believe in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, your Master, to believe in Him as your Master changes everything. And Jesus actually put it this way, because I wanted people to understand, like, hey, you guys, I'm going to do everything, all the work that's needed to save you. All you have to do is put your faith in me. But He takes some time to explain what that means. And in Mark chapter 8, 
Jesus is being followed by all these people, just a huge crowd. And he stops the crowd and he's going, man, all these people are just following me. And they're you know, learning all about him. They're just going, oh, let's hang out with Jesus. And he's like looking at the crowd. Like maybe he'd be looking at all of us and going, man, do you really understand what it means when you say you want to follow me? Do you really understand what it means when you say, oh, I believe in Jesus? And he, so he stops and he says, I want to explain it to you. And after he says this, a lot of people in the crowd went home because they went, are you kidding? That's too much. But this is what he says. Look what it says in verse 34 of Mark chapter 8. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. So he calls everybody together. And he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to have a relationship with me, Whoever wants to accept what I'm offering to them, whoever wants to make this relationship real, he says, he says three things. He says he must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Do you see that? So let's go over the three things. The first thing is what? If you want to really be my disciple, if you really want to follow me, really want to come after me, you have to do what? Deny yourself. Then what? Take up your cross and and follow me. Let's go through what, what do those things mean? So he says, deny yourself. What does that mean, deny yourself? I don't know. When I'm on a diet, I deny myself of certain food. You know, I, I don't have that or whatever. But what does that actually mean to deny yourself? Not to deny like food or something else, but to, to deny me. You know, that I, I pretend like I don't exist or something? No. The word deny means this, to say no to. So now let's kind of replace it. If you really want to have a relationship with Jesus, you have to do what? You have to say no to who? You have to say no to yourself. Well, what does that even mean? No, PJ, no. You know, what does that actually mean? Look, guys, it means this. It means that you have to decide that life isn't about you anymore. You're not just going to say yes to yourself and everything that you want, everything you do. It's just me. It's just me. Saying no to you is saying, you know what? It's not about me anymore. That is very difficult for people to do. But that's the first thing you have to be willing to do. Okay, it can't be about me anymore. But he doesn't end there. Then he says what? Take up your... Take up your cross. Well, what does that mean? Well, if he meant it literally, it's like, oh, if we just all build a cross and we all carry it around. Oh, look, I'm a Christian. Oh, you carried a cross too. You're a Christian. Oh, there you go. Or let's put a little Christian, a little cross around our neck or something like that. Let's carry a cross. Put a little cross in our pocket. Hey, I'm carrying a cross. That's not what he means. It's not literal. But it is something that everybody in that first century who listened to Jesus would totally know what he meant. When Jesus says, man, if you, want to, if you want to have a relationship with me, it can't be about you. In fact, you have to carry your cross. Everybody knew what that meant. Because in the first century, when, Roman when the Romans would crucify someone, every single person that was crucified would carry their cross to the place where they're crucified. They would carry their own cross that they're going to die on. If you remember, Jesus even was had to do that, and he couldn't make it. Somebody else carried it for him. But you carry your cross like through the middle street. It's very humiliating through the middle of the street, and everybody knows. Everybody knows who's going to die on that cross. You know who's going to die on that cross? The person carrying it. 
if we were in death row, and I hope that never happens together, but if we were in death row together, and you said to me, like, hey, PJ, did you hear about Larry? No, what about him? He's carrying his cross today. What would you be telling me? He's dying today. He's been crucified today. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, it can't be about you anymore. In fact, you have to die. And you have to carry your own cross. You have to put yourself to death. Now, does he mean that literally? No, because the next thing he says is, and what? Follow me. So if he means it literally, it can't ha that can't happen. So he doesn't mean it literally. So what does he then mean? I, I struggled with this for a while. Like, how do I put myself to death? Do I just kind of lay down and pretend like I'm dead? Like, what do I do? What, what does it mean to put myself to death? And then it hit me, you guys. How many choices does a dead person make for themselves? Zero. None. How much power does a dead person have over themselves? None. None. Jesus is even saying it bigger. It can't be about you. In fact, you have to get to the place in your life where you have to say, it's not about my choices. It's not about my power. It's not about anything about me. I'm dead. It's not my life anymore. And if, it's, if I'm not the one making the choices for my life, and I'm not the one that's having power over my life, and I'm not the one that's having goals set for my life and all of that because I'm dead, then who is? That's why he says the third thing, which is what? And follow me. You know what he's really saying in the first two things? He's really just saying this. You want to believe in me? You have to stop believing in yourself. That's it. If you want to believe in me, believing in Jesus as your Lord and your master means you have to stop believing in yourself as your own authority. You stop believing in you, and he says, you believe in me instead. Another way of saying it, stop following yourself and follow me instead of following yourself. That's it. That's what it means to believe in Jesus as your Lord. That's, that's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe in him, not me. That means when something happens in my life and I think, well, this is probably where I should go. And Jesus says, well, this is what, I, what you should be doing. This is how, I, how you need to live. I'm going to trust him more than I trust myself. That's hard to do, isn't it? Hard. But he says, that's it. Are you willing to do that? You're giving him your life. You're trusting him with your life. And you guys, if that's all that Jesus said, he drops the mic and then walks off, I'd be like still going, I don't know how to do that. What, why? I'd have a lot of questions. Because one big question I have is Jesus, and I thought about when I was growing up, I, I prayed a prayer when I was five years old when I was in Sunday school, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I added Jesus to my life, but Jesus is making it clear, no, you're not adding me to your life. You're giving up your life to me. And that's, that's totally different. You're not asking Jesus into your heart. You're giving him your heart. You're giving him your life. But that's what I did. And that's why when I was in junior high, I would have said, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I really wasn't. Because I thought, well, I got Jesus in my life. And then I read this and I went, whoa, this is totally different. This is not what I heard when I was five years old in Sunday school. To just pray a prayer and, and, um, and, and just Jesus in my heart and, you know, and he's your friend and he's, you know, and it's great. He died for your sins and that's great. Jesus is going, hey, that is true. I did all of that so you could be saved. But you need to understand what it means to believe in me. 
And it's a game changer. It changes everything. It's giving your life to me. And I thought, why? Why does it have to be that drastic? You guys, why does it have to be like that? Why can't it be? Just us praising him for dying for us and thanking him and, you know, being really appreciative to him and, 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 and adding him to our lives and we include him in our life. Why does it have to be so drastic that we have to give him our life? And it's like Jesus was thinking what I was thinking. He knew what I was thinking because his next statement says why. He says because, because, and because. Look at the next line, you guys. In verse 35, after he says, this is what you need to do. You need to stop following you. Follow me. Don't believe in you. Believe in me instead. Give me your life. He says, because whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. I was like having this make-believe conversation with Jesus going, why does it have to be this way? And Jesus says this, because, PJ, if you keep your life, that's what it means to save your life. If you save it for yourself, you keep your life, you're going to lose your life. If you give up your life for me and this good news for me and you're giving your life to me, I've done everything for you to save you. I've done everything that needs to be done to set you free from sin. Will you give me your life? If you do that, then you'll actually have life. Do you know what I kind of said to Jesus? I said, Jesus, you got it backwards. That doesn't make any sense. If I give Jesus my life, I lose my life. If I keep my life, I keep my life. Doesn't that make more sense? Jesus says, if you keep your life, you're going to lose your life. If you give up your life to me, then you're going to get your life. What? How is that possible? And then Jesus reminded me, uh, we went over this morning. If I keep my life, who owns my life? Sin. Good job. And sin is going to do what? kill me sin is going to give me death if I keep my life this is the reason why people don't want to give Jesus my life I don't want to give you my life because I want to keep my life and Jesus says if you keep your life you're going to lose your life do you really want to have life well yeah that's why I want to have life then give it to me because if you keep it you're going to die if you keep it you're going to lose your life sin is your master. Give me your life instead. And I'm not a master. See, sin has a goal to destroy me. Do you know what Jesus' goal for us as a master? You know what that is? To give us life. It's the opposite of sin. You give me your life. I have a plan for you. I know you and I love you. Sin doesn't care about you. I do. And if you trust me, I will give you the life that you have been missing. I will give that to you. But you have the only way you can actually get life is to give it up. And I went, man. You guys, I wasn't done yet. This is what, and I was starting to get really honest with Jesus. Maybe some of you have done the same thing. Like the reason you're not going to give your life to Jesus is this I've got goals, I've got ideas about what I want to do with my life. Do you? And you know what? Jesus. If I give you my life, you might not do what I want to have done. If I give you my life, my goals might not be what your goals are. 
I might not get what I really want to go for because I actually even know that some of the things that I want in my life, you might not really actually be that crazy about. So if I give you my life, I'm not going to be over my life and I'm not going to be able to accomplish all the things that I want to accomplish and get all the things that I want to get in my life. Makes sense. And Jesus, as though he is reading my mind and maybe yours, says this. Verse 36. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul. You know what Jesus is saying? He goes, PJ, you have these goals, right? You have these things you want to do. And you're you're afraid to give me your life because I might not have the same goals as you. I go, yeah, what do you, what do you think? And go, Jesus actually is really honest. He says, you're probably right. I do have a whole different plan for you than your plan. See, Jesus? And then Jesus says this, let's just do a hypothetical. Let's say you get every single thing you ever wanted in life, everything. And nobody's going to be guaranteed that, right? We've already been disappointed. He says, what if you could gain the entire world? Whoa. What if everything in the world was yours? Everything was yours. Wow. He says, let's just go all the way. You get everything you ever want. Your dreams all come true. Every goal you have, everything you try, everything that happens exactly the way you want it to happen. What good is that if you lose your soul? Your soul is your life. And I thought, what do you mean, lose my life? And then it hit me again. I couldn't get away from the truth that everyone who sins is a slave of sin. And if I don't give Jesus my life, I remain a slave of sin. The only way I can be set free from sin is to give Jesus my life. And he says, if you keep your life, sin owns you. And sin is going to give you what? Death. What good is it if you gain everything and all you have is death? You lose it all for eternity. What good is that? It's actually more sad. Can you imagine working really hard all of my life and I get everything that I that I ever wanted and then it's ripped, everything is ripped out away from me and my entire life is just death because of sin. That's pretty sad. And that's what some of us are working for. We're working for things. We're going for things in our lives that's going to end up gone because your life is going to be gone. What good is it if you gain a whole world, but you forfeit your soul? You forfeit your life. Then I said one more thing to Jesus that maybe some of you would say, okay, I get it but it's my life. Jesus, you're asking me to just hand it to you like it's nothing. I'm just going to give you my life. It's my life. It is the most valuable thing to me. Do you understand how valuable my life is? How important my life is to me? Because we just went over it. What's the most important thing in our lives? Our lives. If we don't have life, we don't. We can't enjoy anything else. Nothing else matters. And you're just asking me to give you the thing that matters the most to me. My life. 
understand? And Jesus says, I absolutely, actually, I understand more than you do. He says the last thing, verse 37. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? That's a weird, weird way of saying it, but exchange is this. It's a, it's a, it's like a buying term. It's exchange. Like I'm going to give you this and then you give me this in exchange. I'm going to give you the $20 and you're going to give me some kind of thing instead, you know, for it. That's an exchange. He says, how much would it take for you to give your soul to someone else? If I offered you a million dollars, would you give me your life? I don't know, 2 million, 7 trillion, 14 trillion. I don't know, whatever it is. You know what? That is a trick question because if you go, well, yeah, $14 trillion, I'll take that. And I give you the 14 trillion, you give me your life. How can you, how can you enjoy the $14 trillion? Oh, I just tricked you. I just tricked you. Because no, you, you can't do anything. You can't do anything with it. Because if I give it to you and you give me your life, now who has the $14 trillion? That's right. Me, I do, because that's it. It's a trick. He says, you know what? Listen, listen. I, I go, that's my point. I'm going, that's my point, Jesus. You know, I would, it's priceless. My life is priceless. And you're asking me to just give it to you. And then Jesus does this. He says, no, that's my point. If it really is worth that much to you, if your life is worth anything to you, why would you keep it? Because now you know that if you keep your life, you're going to lose your life. Why would you keep it? If you really care about your life, Jesus says, give it to me. Give it to me. Guys, I remember I was a freshman in college and I went through this passage, the one I just shared with you, and I actually went through everything I just said to you with God. In my mind, I just was talking, and, and he was answering me with his word and I was going, what do I do with this? Because I didn't want to give him my life. It was just too much. And then he continued to answer the question. It was like, but Jesus, you know, it's, it's my life. I have these goals. I know. And it's like he kept saying this, I know. Will you trust me? But I think you're going to do so. I don't even know what you're going to do with my life. If I give you my life, I, I lose control. And you're the one that's in control of it. And now I don't, I don't have any power. You're the one with all the power. And it's going to be your plans and not mine. And Jesus goes, I know. You're right. Do you trust me? But Jesus, my life, it's priceless. It's, 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 it's more valuable than I can ever. And you're just asking me to give it to you. And you're just asking me to just hand it to you. And Jesus goes, I know. You can trust me. I died for you. You think I don't care about you? I care about you more than you care about yourself. Will you trust me? And it was driving me crazy, you guys. Everything I would say, Jesus would keep going, I know, you're right. Will you trust me? Will you believe in me? 
And then something happened, you guys. I realized where I was with, say, with sin, that if I didn't give my life to Jesus, I was in sin. And what was so attractive about that, you guys, honestly, I'm being honest with you, what was so great about that is that this master told me everything I wanted to hear. Everything I wanted to hear. Jesus did not tell me and does not tell me everything I want to hear. But this master never told me one thing that I needed to hear. And Jesus always tells me everything I need to hear. This master gave me everything I want. That's why it's so hard to leave. This master will give you everything you want, everything you want. But not one thing that you need, not one. Jesus will not, I'm telling you right now, he will not give you everything you want. He will give you everything you need. And when I looked at that, and I know this is true, you guys, deep down, what do you really want? You want somebody to just tell you everything you want to hear? Or do you really deep down want somebody to tell you what you need to hear? Do you just want what you want? Or deep down, do you really want what you need? That's this master. And I started going, what am I doing? This master doesn't even care about me. Tells me everything I want to hear. Gives me everything I want. Not one thing I need. Doesn't tell me anything that I need. Is going to give me death. It's going to end with death. This master gave up his life for me to set me free from this master so I could actually choose him instead of staying here. And what am I doing? And I was halfway through my freshman year in college. And I did something crazy. And it was scary. And I finally was looking at Jesus and I was looking at my life and looking at sin and I just went, okay, here's my life. I trust you. Take it. And Jesus didn't tell me I had to fix up my life before I gave it to him. Some of us think we need to give things, we need to get things situated. We, God will never accept it. He accepted me exactly the way I am, just like he'll accept you, exactly the mess you are right now. He doesn't ask you to change and give him your life. He asks you to give him your life, and then he makes the changes. And I gave him my life, and it was scary. And ever since then, when I was a freshman in college, I will tell you this truth, you guys. Jesus has not given me everything I wanted. He's always given me everything I needed. He does not tell me everything I want to hear. Sometimes I do not like to hear what he's telling me. But he's always told me everything I need to hear. And this God, this master has given me life and my purpose in life and give me back into relationship with his father, dependent upon him. And I call him master. This, this something, this, this other master never did. 
I call him master and he turns around and calls me his child. That's this master. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe many of you because you gave your life to Jesus. And this was a good reminder tonight. But maybe there's someone here and you're going, look, maybe you've even been in the church for a long time. You believe everything about Jesus. But now you're going, I've never believed in Jesus like that. I've never done what Jesus is saying to give him my life, to trust him with my life. I've still, I still believe in me. I still am, I'm owning my own life. I just kind of added Jesus, whatever it is. Or I've never had a relationship with Jesus at all. But something is in you, in you right now and telling you this is the truth. Now, sin is also whispering in your ear saying, don't listen to him. You're fine. But you know it's a lie. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do what I did when I was a freshman in college. For you, for the first time, to finally give your life to Jesus and go from being a slave of sin into being a child of God and a servant of Jesus Christ. By the way, I'm not a slave of sin anymore. I have a new master. You can too. So in just a few moments, you guys, I'm going to ask you, even right now, just to make a statement here, you're going, hey, this is where I'm going to remember that I've done this. And even right now, you know, you know you have been keeping your life, and you know you need to give your life to Jesus Christ you know he's done everything that he needed to do in order to set you free from sin, and it's time for you to give him your life. And you've never done that before. Some of us have. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the people who have never done that. There might be people around you who think you've done that, but you know you haven't. And in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to just stand. If you're going, I need to give Jesus my life. I've never done that. I I'm going to trust him with my life. Jesus, take it. You realize you can't do anything about your sin, but he has. Now, I want you to think about this. Because here's the deal. Do not stand. This is not about you and anybody else in this room. This isn't about you and the person sitting next to you. Do not stand up just because somebody else stands up. You make a decision right now. You're thinking, I know this message was from me. This is why God brought me here this week. I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. And I don't care if anybody else stands up or not. I am going to give my life to Jesus. It is about you and God. This is about you and Jesus Christ. This isn't about you and somebody else. So right now, make a decision whether you're going to stand and say, I'm going to give him my life. Now, here's the other thing. Don't stay seated just because somebody else stays seated. This is you and Jesus Christ. And if you know, so far these messages have been to you. And you know that you have been a slave to sin because you've kept your life. And you've realized now that sin actually owns your life. And you don't want that to be anymore. And you are willing to give your life to Jesus Christ for him to have your life instead of you. And you've never done that. But tonight you know. Something's inside of you going, I have to do this. It's time to give your life to Jesus Christ. Stand up. You guys, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're sitting down, I know you want to give these people a hand, so go for it. Stay standing. Now, you guys that are standing, stay standing.
just for a minute, because I just want to say something to you that I think uh, some other people would say too. you guys. Did you hear when I said I was a freshman in college when I gave my life to Jesus Christ? And I hope you guys know this. If you're giving your life to Jesus, this is the most humbling and courageous thing you can ever do. Do you know why I say that? You probably do. It's humbling because if you're standing up right now, you are admitting you cannot handle sin on your own, right? You're admitting I am helpless and hopeless in my sin. That's very humbling. It's also the most courageous decision you're making because you guys standing up, you understand what you're saying? I'm giving my life to someone else. That's scary. That takes a lot of courage. And I wasn't as humble or as courageous as you until I was a freshman in college. You're an example to me. Now, if you're sitting down, and I appreciate this, either you've given your life to Jesus Christ, this is a great reminder, you've already given your life to Jesus, or you're going, no, I'm not ready. I respect that. Do not stand if you're not ready. Jesus wants you to do something that's for real. Doesn't mean you can't decide this later on. So keep thinking about it as you go through the week. But I respect that. So those of us that are sitting down, let's continue to allow God to do whatever God wants to do with us this week, okay? But you guys that are standing up, you already know one thing that God wanted to do with you this week. And I'm telling you right now, God is going, Jesus is going, thank you for trusting me, for accepting my gift to you and giving me your life. He is ecstatic. And he's going to change your life and going to give you everything you need. And he's going to tell you everything you need to. You guys that are standing, just a minute. All of you guys that are sitting, by the way, counselors, look around and see where your people are. And if you're standing, make sure you look around, get to make eyes with your with your counselor. Because right after this, you're going to go to your counselor and you're going to have a, a talk with them. And then you're going to go with them if they want you to go somewhere else or whatever else or stay in here. But just make sure you're going to go to your counselor in just a minute. So you guys that are standing, in just a minute, we're going to do a switch. You guys that are standing, I'm going to have you guys sit and just stay where you are and then look for your counselor and your counselor is either going to come to you or wave you to go to them. Okay. But you just stay here where you are. The rest of us, I'm going to ask you to do something that might be a little tough, but I'm going to ask you to do it. And that is that you're going to stand up and you're going to quietly don't say anything to anybody else until you go around the corner and you're outside. Now, if you're with your counselor out there, I think you have so what time. If you're not, just hang out. And if you're a follower of Jesus, get together with everybody else that's a follower of Jesus that came with you. And how about you thank God for the people who just stood up? Right? That's what you guys can do out there. You guys can pray and thank God for the people who make, or make a decision in here. You guys got it? Okay. So... Uh, right now, let's do the switch. If you're standing, sit down. If you're sitting, would you just grab your stuff quietly? Get up, walk out there. And once you get around the corner, you can talk, but I want to encourage you, get together with some other people if you're a follower of Jesus and just spend some time thanking God for the people making decisions in here. And if you are a counselor, go ahead and make your way to your people in your cabin and you decide whether you're staying in here or going somewhere else, but make a decision and just have a great talk. First thing you can do is ask them, why did you stand up? And just go from there. You guys have a great time. Man, can I pray for us? Yeah. God, thank you so much for this. This is incredible. I can't believe this. this cur cur the courage and humility of these people.
standing up and just saying, hey, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. I never did this, what Jesus is saying here, and I need to do this. God, for maybe some of us, we're just making sure. I don't know. But God, for all of us, we want to make a commitment in this room to give our lives to you. We realize we cannot handle sin on our own, and we're slaves of sin without you and your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, thank you, that your son took care of the problem of sin, the power of sin that we could never take care of. Oh God, we want to walk now with you and your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.